0: What are businesses that never fail or have amazingly low failure rates? Well, if you look at statistics, you will see that there are certain types of machines like coin-operated laundry centers, Coke and, and Pepsi and snack machines, I guess vending machine businesses, rental property, because typically, Even if you're just breaking even on the rental payments, your property is appreciating in value on average over time. Other options that are less commonly known include having a salon where you rent out chairs to the stylists. So you are essentially providing an environment where people can rent from you. Uh, Another similar scenario is where you have a commercial building and tenants rent from you to run their business. Often those rental arrangements are for a long period of time and that can be a low-risk option. Sometimes co-working spaces can be low-risk once they get started and have a vibrant, established community because essentially the owner of the co-working space is renting out desks offices or rooms to long-term business tenants and so that can have a low likelihood of failure. Another option is utility companies. Not easy to get into but it's fairly well established that a utility company has a monopoly or near monopoly for providing gas or electricity or cable and internet services so that's another example. Those examples aren't really helpful if you don't want to go into one of those industries or niches. And so perhaps a more helpful response to finding a business that has a low failure rate is to look for a business in any industry that has a moat around it. What I mean by moat is that there is something that protects that business from other competitors getting in. There's a book a few years back called Blue Ocean Strategy. And it basically talks about when you're out in a blue ocean where it's just blue water and nobody else is competing with you, you have an extraordinary advantage and it would take a long time for somebody else to come in and try to compete with you. But if the ocean is red with blood, because there are so many ships fighting, for the same fish, or fighting for the same space, a very competitive environment. You are going to be very distracted by competitors and them dropping prices and trying new approaches, etc. So, what are some examples of this? You may not remember this, but when I was growing up, PCs, uh, window-based computers, were taking off, and. Apple decided to take a very different approach. They decided to be the computers for the education space. And then Apple decided to be computers for people who are into audio and video. And then Apple came out with integrated using a mouse in a graphic user interface. Now, of course, Windows eventually adopted that. But Apple was creating things that didn't have competitors at least for quite some time. Another more current example is Tesla. When Tesla came out with electric vehicles people said this is ridiculous. It's never been done and there's a reason it's never been done because it can't be done. You can't put enough batteries into a a vehicle to actually have it be drivable for a long distance. Those sorts of batteries don't exist. Well, what did Tesla do? It designed those batteries and manufactured those batteries. And for a period of time, if you wanted an electric vehicle that was able to actually be used to drive long distances and uh, actually worked well, you had to go with Tesla. There was nobody else out there. They had a blue ocean. No other ships were competing with them. No other businesses were competing. Another way to look at it is them being in this new space, had a moat. So if you're thinking about investing in a company or growing your own company, often you want to think about what is that moat that you can have? Because if you go into a space and your only approach to competition is a better price, or we're going to get to the customers first, it's really tough. It's tough because quickly competitors can adapt to whatever you're doing. You have a lower price, they have a lower price. And that's just a race to the bottom. So thinking about how can your company have a blue ocean strategy? How can your offering be unique? And maybe it's finding a niche that is not being served well. And you dominate that niche. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to try to be all things to all people. I'm going to be the only one that is providing help in this niche. Generally, that is going to be a narrow market segment. For example, instead of saying, I'm going to be an accountant to all businesses or all small businesses, you say, I'm going to be an accountant to chiropractors. And then when you go out to chiropractors and meet with them, you can say, you know, I'm not aware of any other accounting firm in this area that provides services just to chiropractors. Or perhaps it's just to SaaS companies, software as a service companies, or it's just to content creators and influencers, or just to sports players, professional athletes. By picking a market, market segment that you can serve, that nobody else is specifically targeting, often you can establish yourself in that area and get a head start over anybody else because a lot of times people in a company are trying to be all things to all people or sell to all segments. It's this fear that, hey, if I have my offering too narrow, I'm turning away other money. But as the saying goes, there are riches in niches. And so by focusing on a narrow niche, you often can create a moat around your company that's hard for anyone else to get into. That's an example of a a moat from a branding or marketing perspective. Let's talk about other possibilities. Maybe you are the only one who has access to a certain material or a certain piece of equipment. I once talked with a company that produced, I believe it was the little rubber or metal piece that goes on leather footballs so that you can fill the air into a football. And they provided that to all of the footballs used for NFL and for college. So they found that the market rate at the time for those little pieces was like $1.20 each. But they made a strategic decision to sell it for about $0.30 a piece, and they did that because they offered such a low price that nobody else would even think about getting into the space. And they had done that by refining their equipment, their manufacturing process, so they could produce this so much cheaper than anyone else that they found no competitors even thought about getting into their space. I'll give you one more example. There is a business who provides testing services to computer motherboards that go on satellites and other high-tech equipment that either handles extreme cold, extreme heat, or extreme vibration. And this company developed the equipment that provides testing for those motherboards. So if you are a manufacturer of these motherboards, you want to have the testing so you can get a rating done. This company created the unique equipment that does this. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this, and it would take a long time of research and development for anyone else to create this equipment. They kept it highly confidential what was in this equipment. And so they used trade secret rather than patent protection for this equipment because patent protection means you have to register a patent and now the, the public knows they can just read the patent and see how you're using this equipment. So this equipment was used for testing and nobody else could compete with them because some anybody else would need to develop very expensive equipment and spend years in research and development. And nobody even had access to this testing equipment because it was a closely kept secret within this company. And so the services of testing, motherboards that will handle extreme heat, cold, and vibration, was only done by this single company. That is an example of a moat, a metaphorical moat where nobody else can really get into this space. And this company could continue to increase its prices and continue to provide services because motherboard manufacturers had to use those services to ensure that their motherboards were ready for the extreme scenarios that would be presented by the manufacturer's customers like satellite makers. All right, so... Uh, When I look at, going back to the original question, how do you find businesses that will never fail? There, of course, are niches out there and industries out there where you can find that. But I think of looking at a moat. The other thing that can help reduce any company's odds of going into failure is having an entrepreneurial operating system. For example, the entrepreneurial operating system discussed in Traction Get a Grip on Your Business, which is a book by Gino Wickman. I highly recommend that book for companies with 10 to 100 employees. After 100 employees, the fundamentals of that book still work well, but you have additional layers of complexity, and so you will need to uh, add other layers of management and system in place to ensure accountability and results if you have other questions about things we've discussed or other legal topics or business topics topics of importance to entrepreneurs CEOs and leaders running companies please feel free to add them into the comments section below I will use those questions to generate ideas and topics for future live Q&A sessions that you can watch right here if you want to be alerted to the next live Q&A you can subscribe on the YouTube channel and click notifications. You can subscribe to our newsletter to get an email update at aaronhall.com slash free. Or if you follow us on one of the other social media platforms, you may, if the platform allows it, get some sort of update regarding our next live q and I'm Aaron Hall, an attorney for business owners and entrepreneurs. This is an educational program so that you can spot issues to discuss with your attorney, avoid common problems in companies, and hopefully enjoy the rewards of a more successful company and life. Thanks for joining today.